0: Welcome to Assured by Grace. My name is Danny Woodward, and today I've got my co-host, Pastor Phil Congdon, with me as well. And um, we're going to start off with a little bit more serious matter. Um, yesterday, Phil, there was a shooting at another school. And if you're, if you're watching this, this is probably a day or two after the event um, in Nashville, just outside of Nashville, there was an elementary mm-hmm. school, and a, uh, a shooter came in and And took the lives of of six people and um, very sad it hits home to me because i have i have kids that are in a in a school very similar to that school and and it's it's a and looking at that there's there's a lot of confusion Hmm. because it you know there's a lot of questions that are going to be left unanswered i think Hmm. and we we always in these these situations a year ago we had a similar situation in, in um uh, mm-hmm. down in South Texas and now we've got this and and Phil, I I just wanna get your take on what where's the confusion, where can we go to kind of weed out some of the the uh rhetoric that we're hearing from a lot of different directions right now. Yeah and make mm-hmm. sense out of this, this haze.
1: Seems like uh, everybody wants to lay blame. Uh, certainly, if people listen to the mainstream media, all they're going to hear is things like uh, uh, this law or that law, or if we'd only had more gun control, or if we had, I don't know, better mental health treatment, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: or or any any number of things. And what we do, we're very good at beating around the bush and not really dealing with the problem. Uh, And the solution to this problem is going to come only when we recognize what the problem is. The problem is sin. We have sin in this world. Now, some people say, well, we've had sin since the beginning of time. Yeah. And the first son born in this world killed the second. So yes, we've had problems with murder before. We we have problems, and that is because of sin in the world. And when we recognize that sin is the problem, then we stop trying to deal with some surface issue and we recognize that this is an issue that's only going to be dealt with when People understand that there's a God who loves them, who will redeem them from their sin. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that there, there aren't intelligent things to do, um, but the way of this world seems to be we can fix our problems. It doesn't matter whether it's climate change or international wars or anything. We'll fix it. We can do this. We can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And the Bible declares that sin has come into the world, and as a result of that, Satan is having his way. He is spreading destruction. Um, The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy, and that's what we see. So then the question becomes, okay, how are we going to to deal with that? Well, we're going to say, if we will say it, there's a problem with sin. And once we as Christians at least will say that, then we'll understand that the solution is not in us trying to behave better or get other people to behave better, because Satan is having his way. He's having his way, and and it's not just this. It's punctuated by things like this, but when you look at What's happening, for example, those who, uh, you know, this is a historical marker. The, the country of Israel is in upheaval because of people who are violent and rioting in the streets. Uh, the nation of Russia uh, is bombing and terrorizing the country of Ukraine. And other countries around the world are doing heinous things to their own people and to other people's. So, you know, we we can try to isolate these six people who were senselessly killed yesterday and say, if only we had better mental health treatment, if only we had gun control. No, it's sin. Let's call it sin. And let's declare there is a solution to sin. It's in the Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's proclaim that. And I would say to all Christians at the same time, Let's pray for those families. Mm-hmm. Pray for God to comfort them the way that only God can. The Holy Spirit can embrace those who lose loved ones. And I've lost uh, as a young, during my teen years, I lost a brother and had to, to grapple with that loss. And it, it isn't easy. There's no Quick fix. You don't you don't hear some words and say, "Oh, good, everything's fixed." It isn't. But in this world, there's one who sticks closer than a brother. God is the God of comfort, the God of all comfort. So let's pray for those people. Pray for pray for those who grieve uh, after senseless violence like
0: this. Uh, you know, Phil. The, the confusion that comes up around this is oftentimes tied to the senselessness of, of the act, to what happened. And, and like you said, you just we have a, a clear biblical solution to this problem, but yet this confusion persists. And one of the, the things that I wanted to kind of bring up today, I want to try to tackle, um, is is tied to the character of God. And, and whether or not yeah. the character of God changes throughout Scripture. And I think there's a, there's a, a bridge there. And uh, in, in times like this, mm-hmm. when you start to question uh, God's character through the lens of, of the short-term temporal yeah. uh, perspective that you have exactly when you right. see something like this. But, but we have an unchanging God. You know that, that
1: what you said, just about a short-term uh, it, it reminds me of the way the world is in everything. Something happens tomorrow, and all the news media is up in arms about it. The next day, something different happens. They're all in up, up in arms about that. And um, I, I'm just reminded of, uh, in the Psalms, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He has them in derision. Those who ignore God and who who just have nothing to do with him, And then they look at the world they're living in, and it's unraveling and demoralized and evil. And they say, why is this happening? And our task as believers is to point them to God and say that God who created you and this world knows how this world will run. You either submit to him or you face the
0: consequences. Well, and going back to the topic of confusion. You know, one of the one of the problems is that you have some folks who look at the Old Testament and they say, you oh, know, there's a yeah. there's a god mm-hmm. I can get behind. He he comes in and just whacks anybody that disagrees with his his plan and that gets in the way of what he's doing. And
1: that's and so untrue. But it, <laughs> it is it's interesting how that's the perception of that's God the perception. in the old
0: testament. And then there's this there's this equally flawed perception in the New Testament that, that God is just this Jesus comes as this meek mannered. Frail figure who just wants everybody be nice to, get to along everybody. And tolerate everyone. Yeah. And but what is the what is the biblical answer here? That the 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 character of God that we can see contiguously throughout scripture. Well,
1: the first thing I'll say is this the problem of evil, many theologians have written about the problem of evil. And there are many people who don't believe in God. And that's, you know, what they'll bring up is how could you believe in a God? Um with all the evil that's going on in the world? And the first answer that I would say to them is, what do you mean evil? Uh, Who's to say that what they're doing is evil? Is there a standard? Because you're saying that something is evil. If it's evil, why is that evil? And, And so that's the first thing. I agree that there is evil in the world. Don't get me wrong there. But People who don't believe in God have no standard by which they can say something is evil, except themselves. I don't like it, so that makes it evil. If somebody else says, "Well, I do like it," so it's not evil. Yeah. Now we're in a we're in an
0: impasse, and it, it seems yeah. almost more punctuated in this in this uh, postmodern society where there is no one that defines truth. Yeah, and so the evil is who, whatever it is, in the eyes of the beholder. Well, let's let's grant
1: for quickly, since we don't have a lot of time, but let's grant that there is evil. And I agree that there is. And you say, well, then how can there be a God if there's evil? Well, there can be a God and there can be evil because there is Satan and the rebellion against God. So what we have is a God who creates a perfect sinless world. Satan comes in and tempts Adam and Eve and... They disobey God, and that is the definition of sin. Anything contrary to the Creator God, anything contrary to His will, that is sin. So now we are stained with sin. Call it a cancer. We all got this disease. We're born with it, and we sin as we live our lives. So now God has a solution. And this is the same thing with the, whether it's, a shooter killing six people in Nashville, or whether it's a a dictator who is bombing uh, people in a neighboring country. The problem here is sin, and the solution is what God has done. God has sent his son, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. Now, you can say, well, that's just altogether too simple. I'll tell you what, it isn't very simple to God. It cost him the life of his son. And the God who created this world has created redemption for those who are in this world. So that is the problem of evil. So when people say, how can there be a God, a God and "And why does he allow this evil? I'll tell you why. Because if he didn't allow this evil and save those who would believe in Jesus, he would eradicate everybody because there is none righteous, no, not one. Danny, you're not righteous. I I, I don't believe. Uh, I'm not righteous. It, It doesn't matter who you're talking to. There's none righteous, no, not one. There isn't one of us that can measure up to that standard. So all of us have to cast ourselves on the mercy of God and he says, I love you, I'll send my son, I'll let him take that penalty for you. Believe in him. So now I, I'm, I'm rushing through this, Danny, because I just want to lay aside the problem of evil. Because there's a, this variation on it is this. Let's try to maybe lay this out. And that is the idea that in the Old Testament, God showed one kind of character. He was uh, a judge. Uh, he was, yeah. yeah, full of wrath, and he was angry, and you cross him, and he'll wipe you out. And then we have in the New Testament, oh, here we have Jesus, who's the Son of God, who perfectly illustrates God. And what does he do? He, you know, he says, turn the other cheek, you know, and, and be gentle and peaceful and kind and all of that and so forth. Now neither one of these is true, but it's a perception, and because of that, there are a lot of people. And maybe we could just say that some people will say, "Well, God was evolving in the Old Testament. You know, He was He was kind of He had a temper, but He got kinder and gentler in the New Testament. So God changed." Well, Scripture says no, He didn't. Malachi chapter. I, the Lord, change not. He doesn't change. We call this immutability. God doesn't change. Other people are going to say, well, the Bible actually got it wrong. You know, they're, it was exaggerating. Or
0: or they were like a, a tribal warfare-like people uh, yeah, who okay. had this view of God, and they wrote down what they thought of him.
1: Yeah. And so, the, you know, but, but you can't, what they're really saying is, well, you can't really trust the Old Testament because, you know, you know, it says it's the word of God, but, you know, that was not really the way God is. Yeah. And, and then there are other people who are going to say, well, the Bible's got mistakes in it. And, uh, you know, that was wrong or God was wrong. A- and people are going to say this. And by the way, they're going to, I'm going to say this to you Christians who you might go down to your Christian bookstore or go online and you're going to buy a Christian book. I want you to be careful. You need to understand. You're going to have Christian writers who are going to undermine the authority of the scriptures by telling you things like that that this isn't really historical. this was just God using hyperbole. Uh, yeah hyperbole or or he was telling stories to try to teach about himself yeah and once you say that, once you say that, then the Bible no longer really matters now it's kind of like what kind of Oozy goosey feeling you get out of the Bible. But scripture denies that. We read that all scripture is given by uh, the inspiration of God in the old King James, but it, the, the word in Greek, thaonoustos, means God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Jesus said, thy word is truth. And Jesus even said that not a jot or a tittle, those are the littlest, smallest strokes of the letters that were used. None of that will pass away. This is God's word, and it's called his word because the words in it are all true. So now you understand that we have this character issue of God. Is God meany or nice guy? <laughs> and uh, Old Testament, New Testament. Yeah, how do you, how do you balance uh, that out? Uh, the first thing I would say is that God is amazingly gracious in the Old Testament. In fact, from Genesis chapter 1, it's pure grace. Satan has been cast out of heaven, cast down to earth. This earth is formless and void. It's a place of utter destruction and darkness, and God, in his grace, says, let there be light. And he creates the stars, moon, heavens. He creates the life, uh, the animals, the plants. He creates man and woman in a perfect world and places them there. What is that? Is that an angry, vindictive God? No. Amazingly gracious. And then man and uh, Adam and Eve sin they disobey God. Satan tempts them, and they fall. So, of course, God's going to wipe them out. No, God actually makes coverings for them because of their shame at their own nakedness. And God starts a process of saving fallen mankind. And when all the world is filled with sin, even then, You'd think, well, he's just going to wipe them out. No, Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so, yes, there is judgment, but this continues through the whole Old Testament. And especially, I think sometimes people get bent out of shape because when Israel became a theocracy, that is, they were God's people and God was their leader, then When other nations shook their fist against Israel, they were shaking their fist in the face of God. And on a national level, yes, there was war that went on, and God's people did, in obedience to God, uh, they worked out God's judgment on other nations. But God is still being gracious. We see this all through the Old Testament. Even a nation as terrible as Assyria. That was awful. Jonah goes to Assyria, the capital city, Nineveh, and says, 40 days, God's going to wipe you out, and they repent. They say, okay, we're sorry for what we've done. And what does God do? He relents. That doesn't sound to me like a vindictive God. It is true that God is a just and a holy God. He's a gracious and merciful God at the same time. And by the way, in the New Testament, you know this idea that Jesus is a wimp. Um, you can go to Matthew ten. You can read these verses yourself. That Jesus was asked, you know, about his coming, and he says, "Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? I tell you, no. I came to bring a sword between a father and a son, and a mother and a daughter, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. You know what? I'm going to separate the most intimate families. Why?" because my message is inviolate. There was only one way to God, and Jesus himself said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's drawn a line in the sand there. There is no other way. And you either accept it or reject it, all through Jesus' ministry. This was the key question. Who is this Jesus? And, you know, Jesus asked, His disciples once, you know, who do you say that I am? Or who do people say that I am? And they said, oh, you know, John the Baptist or Jeremiah or Elijah or a prophet or something. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, there is a question. That's very separate. So that Jesus could say to the people who rejected him, you are of your father, the devil. Does that sound like really gracious, tolerant? Not at all. And he says, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. John 3.19. And these are these are just some of the illustrations. I mean, Jesus went into the temple.
0: So so Phil, it's, you know, one thing that strikes me is that how I think modern culture, modern society, even within the church, gets graciousness mixed up with tolerance. Mm-hmm. And starts to starts to focus on these things, these these attributes uh, of Jesus that, that aren't there in Scripture, that aren't uh, that's not what he's doing. That's not his purpose for being here.
1: No, even in cases where he his grace is so obvious, like uh, the woman taken in adultery, mm-hmm. and um, they're about to stone her, and uh, you know he stops them stoning her did he stop them stoning her because he said, "You know, hey, listen guys, adultery isn't that bad, you know it's not worth it. No, know what he said? He said to the woman, he said, Go and sin no more. In other words, stop that lifestyle and i I just I see there's no conflict here, there's no conflict between Um, God's um, grace and truth. If you don't have the truth, then you don't need grace. So if you take away the, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, if you take that away, we don't need grace. And if you have grace in the sense that, you know, everybody, God's whatever, the cosmic grandfather who just says, hey, everybody's okay, then what does it matter? that there is holiness. God's holiness isn't even needed anymore. All he had to do was like a magician go, okay, everybody's going to heaven. Mm. He can't do that. He is a just God. And by the way, I'll just say this from 1 John 1.9. It says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And so as, our, as this is written to Christians, as we live our lives and we sin and we confess our sins, It says here he is faithful and righteous, or just, to forgive us our sins. He's faithful because of his love. He is just because of his holiness. Jesus Christ paid the price for sin. That's why he can be faithful in his love, and he can be just as well. So,
0: anyway. And that, and I mean, the... What that verse has always done for me is just point me back to the fact that I can sin. I I, I have sinned as a believer. I, I've I, sinned. I didn't know in, you were still sinning in horrible ways, right? <laughs> and but yet the 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 uh, the wonder of that verse is that Start as getting. soon as you go back to to God and you confess, yeah. and that relationship, that fellowship with God is completely restored. It doesn't take you. You can you can mess up really bad. And you can go back to God, and that that fellowship is completely restored. That's the hope that we have as believers. That yeah. that the it, it should give you, it should encourage you. It, it encourages me to know that. And and then as believers, you know, we don't we don't want to sin, and so we you can you can begin to live a a a, a life for Christ, but uh, that isn't promised. That the promise is that Christ died for you, and uh, and that by believing in Him, you have you have life in His name.
1: Let's isolate real quickly here. What we've talked about is the character of God in the Old Testament versus the New, and, and what we've tried to say: no, there's really no conflict here. It's not like there are two characters of God, or that God is schizophrenic. Sometimes He's mean, and sometimes He's nice. He's not a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. No, God is loving and gracious. God is love. In fact, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. He is grace. He is mercy. He is just. He is holy. He is righteous. And so from Genesis to Revelation, we are getting a single picture of God. Mm. We are getting a holy God who loves us and cares
0: cares for. So, Phil, when we start to to uh, twist or distort either end of those bookends, Genesis yeah. or Revelation, what does that do to the middle? How does that change our yeah. understanding of the character of God?
1: Well, if we do it, if we fall for that, and again, let me warn Christians yeah. that you have to be very careful of who you are reading and who you're listening to and, uh, and be like the Bereans. Examine the scriptures to see whether what they're saying is really so, because just because somebody says they're a Christian does not mean that their theology is going to be consistent with scripture. There are people who are certainly, uh, they they may very well be believers, uh, and they will certainly call themselves Christians. There were in the New Testament, and yet they were false teachers. And we've talked about that in uh, some of them, I think three or four podcasts ago when we were talking about uh, First Peter, I think, or second Peter, maybe it was second Peter, but we we're talking about false teachers, and because you're going to have these false teachers, you have to be very careful because what they do is they undermine your trust in God's word, first of all, because they make you think, "Oh well, you know, I can't really trust the Old Testament or there's, uh, they make you feel like God is a vacillating God like he's mean sometimes and loving some other times. And some people just start then to create their God in their own image. I like this God. I, I don't like that God. And that certainly is prevalent today. Um, but that's, uh, if you understand and read scripture with a, just a simple, I'm going to let the scripture reveal God to me in space-time history, what is happening? Uh, then you're going to see that there's a God who is absolutely holy, which I can't really fathom. I've got sin, and and we all have sin. We're stained by it, but he's absolutely holy. And therefore, any sin excites his wrath and his judgment, and it's his mercy and his grace that withholds the utter destruction that is deserved. I think of America today, what is it on earth that is keeping America from being utterly destroyed? It's nothing short of God's mercy and grace. But we are, in, our, in this country, um, we have leaders who are enthusiastically, joyfully endorsing the killing of babies. They want us to pay for it. They are helping people to get from some place where they can't kill their baby to a place where they can I'm speaking of abortion. That is a heinous sin. It is the sin of this generation. And it is only God's grace and mercy that is withholding his hand of wrath and judgment against us. Is God a gracious God? Yes. Is God a holy God? Yes and i thank god for his grace and i know he's holy at the end of the book of habakkuk if you've ever read the book of habakkuk habakkuk comes to god and he he says uh, lord we're so evil we're 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 just terrible you need to judge us and god says oh i'm going to judge you the assyrians are coming they're going to get you and habakkuk says lord, lord you can't do that the assyrians are worse than us we're bad but they're worse and God says, sit down. And he tells them, listen, these are, he goes, five woes. He says, these are the things that you are doing. And at the end of that, Habakkuk says, Lord, in your judgment, remember mercy. That's a prayer for us today. Anyway, I don't know if we've really landed this plane, but, you know, we've talked about a lot of things. Any Any other things that you think of?
0: No, Phil, I, I think, you know, the clarity of, of understanding that God's character is unchanging and that his word is inspired. It's authoritative. It's inerrant. It, it, uh, it can't be changed and, um, and that it, it's coherent throughout scripture yeah. should give us all hope and, and reason to, uh, to continue to cling to him and trust him yeah. for daily life.
1: Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments or questions, uh, you know, I don't know, is there a, somewhere where you can sign up written down here underneath <laughs> this? I don't know. If there's somewhere where you can uh, you can just send off a message, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Uh, and uh, NBBC at org. There you go. All Thanks. right. Thanks, Bill.